You know, today is, and I so, so much appreciate what Alan did uh, last week, uh, because it, it takes us on, um, I was listening to uh, to, to uh, a dead guy this, this week, Tim Keller, talk about uh, Samuel, the books of Samuel, and how you can find the gospel and all. And it, it was... It's just fabulous. It's just fabulous. Jesus is in every book of the Bible. Your mission, should you decide to accept it, is to find it. It's to find it. Uh, first, first and second, Sam. You know, uh, I, I enjoy listening. My grandkids do do their Old Testament, do their Bible books, and first and second Samuel's, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles. That's not the way it was. As adults, you need to know that's not the way it was. The only reason it's like that is because we couldn't get all of Samuel onto one scroll. So we had to put it in two scrolls. So first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, first and second Chronicles. And there is a lot of grace, there's a lot of there's a lot of thoughts that we all need to learn <clears throat> in studying these books. And I you know, for the last nine months, Jeff and I have uh, have studied Anytime I take on a pro, I, I just read and read and read. And so today is, I, I try to figure out how I was going to describe today. It's kind of like a charcuterie board where we, we're going to go down and we're going to just pick and pick. And if I get on one tangent, I'm going to go there because there's so much that I have not been able to weave into uh, to tell you what I've learned about David. Um, a man who's described as having a heart like God having God's own heart. If you, were going to, um, if you were going to just do an outline of Samuel, it's really easy. It's really an easy outline. The first seven books of, uh, of the book of Samuel is about Samuel. Okay? Uh, from there, the rest of the first book is about Saul. And the second book is about David. And it comes down to that um, comes down to that that passage in chapter seven of Second Samuel. Come on in, right down front. I've got no <laughs> uh, the the passage in Second Samuel where God promises Samuel. I mean, God promises David. I'm going to raise up for you a house, and your house is going to last forever. I'm going to show you. Uh, a video about that in just a minute. Um, so you've seen this picture many, many times. Make yourself familiar with it. It's uh, this is this is the city of David, the city of David. That's the Pool of Shalom, the city of David, and uh, this is the Temple Mount. The Temple Mount originally in Solomon's case was three acres wide. Herod the Great, well, after the Babylonians destroyed it in 586 B.C., uh, Herod the Great rebuilt it, and Herod did everything in a big way. He made it 13 and a half acres. And so if you go to Jerusalem today, it's 13 and a half acres uh, at the top. Um, okay, so let's, let's take a look at... Uh, Chapter 22, 23, 24. I'm not going to go through all of 22, but there's just a couple of points I want to make in 22 as we take a look at it. So if you'll open your scriptures. <clears throat> David sang the song of, uh, to the Lord, the words of this song, 
When the Lord delivered him from the hand of his enemies and the hand of Saul, he said, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. God is my rock in whom I... What does your Bible say right there? Take refuge. Take refuge. Anybody else? Does anybody's Bible say trust? This is the first time in Scripture that the idea of trust in God is laid down. The first time. Now, hereafter, it's replete in all of Scripture. But until this time, no one has trusted in God, in whom I trust. And then he says, I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised and so shall I be saved from my enemies. And that's where we get that song. I love it. Um, Look at chapter 23. The last words of David. What What do you think about when I say here are the last words of David? Anybody? I'm sorry? He's dying. He knows he's, his time on earth is short-lived. What do we as readers, what should we as readers hear when I say, here are the last words of David? Listen up. Listen up. Then he says, this is, is an oracle of David, son of Jesse. What is an oracle? There are several times when we see oracles in the Old Testament. Does anybody know what they are? Like a prophecy? Direct, that's exactly Leland's right. The direct revelations of God. Here's what God wants you to hear. We need to listen to this. An oracle of the man exalted by the Most High. Once again, by this time, God is called what in the Old Testament? Anybody? Yahweh. He's Israel's God, Yahweh. That's not what he says here. He's the oracle of the man exalted by the Most High. El Elyon. Why is that important to us? I'm going on a tangent, I should have Because we're going. Okay? Yahweh does not apply to us. Most High, El Elyon, applies to us. We're a God. That's the name that Goyim used for God. Okay? Uh, I can can go all over the Old Testament and the New Testament. Gospel of Luke is replete with Goyim. Why would he use, I mean, why would he use El Elyon instead of Yahweh in Luke? And because of him. He's a Gentile. He's a Gentile. He wants you to know I'm a Gentile. So this is who it is. The man anointed by the God of Jacob, Israel's singer of songs. Now David doesn't identify himself as being the king. I'm the guy that sang the songs. I love it. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel spoke. The rock of Israel said to me, 
when one rules over men with righteousness, when he rules in the fear of God, he is like the light of morning at sunrise on a cloudless morning. Like the brightness after the rain, he brings the grass from the earth. What he's saying is, if someone is righteous and a righteous leader, that's all you can ask for. That's all you can ask for. And I still have questions. I still go back and I still read and think about all the things that David did wrong. But let me tell you, two keys to the book of Samuel. One key is it's about getting a king. All the way back in Deuteronomy, it foretold that God foretold, Moses foretold, that we would get a king. We got our king. Okay? Saul came, became the king. Saul was not God's king. <coughs> David was God's king. And it's because of the second reason. The second thing that you need to learn out of Samuel. <coughs> Repentance. Repentance. Saul would say, yeah, I'm sorry for that, but he really wasn't. Then he'd go do the next thing, next wrong thing. David repented. Oh, I have sinned before God. Um, I'm, I'm not going to read all this because literally, uh, I mean, it, it, it's, it's great. Uh, and it reminds us how interconnected David and God were. You know, Moses said, Moses used to say, I only speak what God has given me to speak. Jesus then said, and Malachi, Malachi, is it, you know, Malachi 4 or 5 that says, uh, I'm going to send you a prophet like Moses, just like Moses. And John, John's Gospel, he tries to prove that Jesus is the prophet like Moses because Jesus keeps on saying, I only speak what God gave me to speak. That's what David's saying. That he only speaks what God gave him to speak. I guess what I I guess my big takeaway in the books of Samuel uh, and really the book of Chronicles as well is that it's one big story. And if you leave out any part of it, you've missed the richness of the story. It brings it so much to life that we've spent nine months. I'm going to show you in a minute. It, it brings you it, it just brings it so much to life that we've spent nine months in the Old Testament in Samuel, if I were to tell the, the uh, elders and leaders of my church growing up at East 10 Church Christ in McMinnville that we spent nine months studying that, they were like, they would be, why would you waste your time doing that? We only study the New Testament. We've come a long way, is what I'm saying. And uh, <clears throat> those of us who... Uh, teach from time to time, know how rich the Old Testament is. It just makes everything uh, fall to life. So when many of you don't know, or some of you might know, that in August, uh, August 14, 1980, I was hired by this church to be their youth minister. First paid Youth minister, six hundred bucks a month for it. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, he what, what, what did you charge for a lawn in that? More than that. <laughs> More than that, because I was keeping your lawn in there. <laughs> I had to supplement somewhere, Frank. <laughs> but <clears throat> what was my thought on that? <laughs> oh, one of my favorite stories, one of my favorite you know, as a speaker, <clears throat> Anytime you're a youth minister or anything like that, I always carry as youth minister, by the way. I would, uh, you had to have just one devotional in your pocket, you know? So I picked Eliezer, son of Dodo, the Aholahite. And it comes from, if you look, it's, it comes from right here. Why did I pick that? Because every time I would say Eliezer, son of Dodo, all the boys would laugh. And I would have their attention. Me. I, I, got, I got them. This guy's going to talk about Eliezer, son of Dodo. So anyway, this is one of my favorite chapters, and I'm not going to go into a great deal about, about that because really there are two verses in the Bible about Eliezer, son of Dodo, the Ohio. One here and one in Chronicles. And it virtually says the same thing. Here's what it says. And this is another thing I don't like about the way Samuel is organized. This should have happened way back in the front of Samuel. It's, the, it's in the next to the last chapter. Um, but David surrounded himself by these mighty men. And these guys were bad. They could, they were warriors. It was unreal what they did. Uh, what he says about uh, the first guy, and I can't even pronounce his name, was that, that uh, Joshua Bashebeth, a Tachmenonite, didn't know whether he's anything like that. He was chief of the three. He used his spear and killed 800 men in one encounter. He's one of the three. Eliezer, son of Dodo, the Aholahite, was out hanging out with David and David's army was behind them and they went out to meet the Philistines in battle and it describes it Larry as a, a barley field it reminds me of the Valley of Elah I'm sorry if you ever been to the Valley of Elah it's one of the greatest disappointments of my life um, grass. it's just grass there you go. Just get out and it's a pasture well here we are Okay, thanks for sharing and uh, Dr. Easley was trying to have a devotional. All the Otter Creek people were down in the creek trying to get the five stones. <laughs> I mean, Netanyahu, Netanyahu probably has to send a dump truck full of smooth stones like once a month because of all the people. That came. And they let you get through the airport with them. I never really understood that. But Eliezer and David are in the middle of that field with the army, the Israeli army behind them. And they look at one another and they say, Go! And they look back, and the Israeli army is gone. And the Philistines. And so David and Eliezer fought the Philistines. And it doesn't tell us how many Philistines they killed, but it says that when they were done, they were so tired, Eliezer's sword clave unto his hand. Doc, explain that to us. Just, I mean, he, he, he was convulsing so much he couldn't release the sword. It was in his hand. Probably covered in blood, too. Well, <laughs> of course Jason would have to get into the gore. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but his sword clave into the hand. And it says, 
the Lord wrought on that day a great victory. And the Israeli army only returned to collect the spoils. My devotional is I, I talk about the heritage, I talk about how proud that the Ahoahite tribe would be of Eliezer, and just how much because he had believed in God, there he was with David, and they fought. This chapter goes on to tell us, that talks about the other guy, he killed 300 guys, and if you go over to Chronicles, go to Chronicles, he directly contradicts everything that's here. Okay? So when he says 800, Chronicles says 300. When it says, in, in a few minutes, uh, we're going to uh, talk about, we're going to go up to the Temple Mount and he's going to buy, uh, David's going to buy the oxen and all that from Aruna the uh, Jebusite. He's going to give him 30 pieces of silver. Chronicle says 500 pieces of gold. So it just leaves us with, we don't really know. It's somewhere somewhere around there. It's 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 different. Okay, um, but what happens? And I really don't understand this chapter because he's got three mighty men, and then he's got thirty mighty men, and this guy's over the thirty mighty men, and then he's also over the three mighty men. I don't know. Suffice it to say, and I, I did hear a good talk about surrounding yourself with good people. Surround yourself with people who can do things that you can't. And when you do that, you'll be a better person. And I do believe that that's what David tried to do. He surrounded himself with good people. Um, okay, let's go to 24. Um, and just, just act like we don't know this story. Just read the first few verses here. Again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel. Now, why is God mad at Israel? The only thing I can think of is that he's still mad because they rejected David and went with Absalom. You remember that? Mm -hmm. Because they, they left God's anointed and they went with Absalom. They were so quick to do that. So God was not happy in this whole, whole outfit in the last few chapters. Um... And he incited David against them, saying, Go and count Israel and Judah. So here's the senseless census. Why would he do this? It's crazy. You know, even David in Psalm 33 says, No king is served by the size of his army. That's not what makes a king. And David said that. And now he's going to go do a census. In Exodus it says, if you, if you number the people, you have to do what for the people? Offer a sacrifice. You have to offer a sacrifice for them. David just says, I want to know how many people I can count on in my army. And this is at a time of great peace. He's already subdued all of the enemies around him. Why would he do this? <coughs> So the king said to Joab, the army commanders, uh, go throughout the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and enroll the fighting men so that I may know how many there are. And Joab says, why? May, may the Lord God multiply the troops a hundred times over. 
May the eyes of the Lord the King see it. Why does my Lord the King want to do such a thing? What Joab is saying, I've, I've seen how this works. God is in front of us. It doesn't matter how many guys we got. God is going to take care of the evil. And jo- here, here, Joab, who is a mass murderer, he's just a mass murderer. That's all you can say. He tries to speak truth to David. The king's words, however, overruled Joab and the army commanders. So they left the presence of the king to enroll the fighting men of Israel. And after crossing the Jordan, they encamped near Arorhor, a town, and went on to Gad and Jazer. They went to Gilead. It just talks about, they went a circuitous route and they went counterclockwise. Um, Hardy forgot one thing I wanted to talk about. Um, it, that, is, that is this. Look at, look at this guy up back. Uh, I'm, like, at verse 20 of chapter 23. I'm sorry, chapter 23. Benihah, son of Jehoiada, was a valiant fighter from Kabezal who performed great exploits. He struck down two of Moab's best men. He went down in a pit on a snowy day and killed a lion. What does that mean? Anybody? I mean, the only way I'm killing a lion is if I'm standing on top of the pit throwing stuff down at the lion. Okay? He goes down in a pit to kill... Think of the bravery that took. And then I was reminded of... Remember when David is talking to Saul about killing Goliath? And he said what? I've killed a lion and a bear. Now what kind of bear do y'all think he killed? A koala bear? A panda bear? What kind of bears do you think they have in Israel? I'm sorry? Grizzly? You think that? Let me let me show you this. This is a black bear. Okay? That's a black bear. That's a grizzly bear. What you see a difference in the black and the grizzly? What's the big difference? It's that hump. You see that hump? These are mosaic mosaics, one of them from Caesarea Maritima, and the other one is actually from Syria. And if you remember earlier, we talked about David hiding out in the like if this is the Sea of Galilee, if this is the Sea of Galilee here and the Jordan River, this on this side, this is Jordan. This is Jordan. And remember those the forests over there were so thick that the forests were killing people? Well, This is a mosaic from a, a uh, synagogue in that area. Notice, what do you notice? The hump. Is that not cool? Now, see, how do you work that into it? I found that months ago. Right? All right. <clears throat> Back to 24. So they did, they did a circuitous route. I'm in chapter. I'm in verse eight of chapter twenty-four. Um, it took them nine months and twenty days to do this census, and they came back. And Joab reported the number of fighting men to the king in Israel. There were eight hundred thousand able-bodied men. Those are the guys from the north. And uh, in Judah, there were five hundred thousand. So a million three 
fighting men. Those would be guys from the age of 20, I don't know, probably, there's probably something biblical here, I don't know, 20, 25 to 50. Um, David was conscious stricken after he had counted the fighting men. He said, Lord, I've greatly sinned in what I've done. Now I beg you to take the guilt away from your servant. I've done a very foolish thing. He got up the next morning and God said, Gad came to David and Gad said, here's what the Lord says. I give you three things. You can have a famine on the whole land for three years. Or for three months, your enemies will pursue. Or, there'll be three days of a severe plague in your land. None of those are good options. And David's answer was, I choose the plague in my land because it would be better for me to throw myself in, in light of God's mercy than the mercy of my enemies. His mercies are new every morning. That phrase is Davidic. Did you ever answer why he counted them and what the problem was in him counting them? Why he counted them? Because he wanted to. He was king. The problem of it was it was a problem. God doesn't want us. That's, God wants us to wants the faith, uh, especially of his leader, to have so much. This is like Fred. Lack of trust. This is serving one. This is serving. God wants His leaders to have so much faith and to know the sheep so well that we don't have to do serving. Okay? <clears throat> so God let the famine begin. And the, the, I mean, God let the... the uh, yeah. What is it? Plague. The plague began. And 70,000 people were killed. And David is back in his in his palace, which is this is the Davidic palace right here. And that and this is before that temple thing existed. So David is in his palace and he's watching the angel of death go through all of the city and, se and really all through the country and 70,000 people were killed and then David says why are you doing this? I'm the one that deserves the punishment the people don't deserve the punishment and at that point in time the angel of death had gone up to the height of the mountain Right up here where the temple was built. And that's that's the stone. You see the stone? There's a rock up there. And that's where the threshing floor of Aruna was. And so the Spirit of God that's going up there to kill is ready to kill. And David says, enough. And God says, enough. And they stop. What does that hearken back to? Abraham. Abraham, it harkens back to the Akita. We need to learn that word, Akita. Uh, the Akita is the binding of Isaac. Because the binding of Isaac happened in exactly the same place. 
And in Islam, the binding of Ishmael happened at exactly the same place. But I'm not really sure that's, you know, what is, the, uh, the Temple Mount is the third holiest site to Islam. And what is, what do they say, what makes it holy? Not the Akita. Muhammad went to heaven on a magic donkey, and that's what makes it sacred. Okay, he, he, he was teleported from Mecca to the top, and then he went to heaven, and that's what makes it holy. And we're going to have to debate, debate that as well. This is today. There's a rock up there, it's a big rock. This is a picture of it. And this is where the Akita took place. Why did I say the Akita? It's because I was laughed at as a Christian when I when I was talking with Amy Jill, and I said, "Yeah, that's the that's the sacrifice of Isaac." And she went, "He wasn't sacrificed, you idiot! It was a, it was, he tried, but he wasn't sacrificed." And we Christians call it the sacrifice of Isaac, and it never happened. So Jews make fun of us because it's the binding of Isaac. And if we would say the binding of Isaac, it would mean that we understood the story. Isaac was probably in his 20s when he did this. And I'm sorry, Abraham was 100. And if Isaac didn't want Abraham to kill him dead, there ain't no way Abraham could kill him dead. So Isaac told his father, tie me up. I believe just like he believed I believe God told you to do this. Tie me so we can do this. That's why Scripture only refers to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob one time. All the other times, it's the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. Each one of those guys had their own faith and had their own experiences with God. That's very important. That's why it should be the binding of Isaac not the sacrifice of that. Okay. Um, you know, this is... A, I didn't take this picture, but right there is another rock, and they didn't know what that was, so they built that little deal there. But the big rock is in there, and there's another surface rock. The whole mountain was a surface rock. Why is that important? Because on a threshing floor, this is the highest point in all of Jerusalem. You would... Throw the wheat up, and all the chaff would blow away, and the wheat would remain. That's what a threshing floor is. Those are Muslim horns on the top of both of those. Piles. Muslim horns? Yeah, the horns of whatever that on the top of their, uh, their temples. All I'll say is, I've got a, I've got a lot to say about Islam. I don't want to do it right now. <laughs> it's 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 an interesting religion. Um, Um, look at verse 15. So the Lord sent a plague on Israel from that morning till the end of time, and He designated 70,000 of people to Dan to Bershom and die. And when the angel stretched out His hand to destroy Jerusalem, the Lord was grieved because of the calamity, and the angel was afflicting on the people. Enough, withdraw your hand, the angel of the Lord, then at the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. And when David saw the angel striking down the people, he said, I'm the one who has sinned and done wrong. But these are sheep. What have they done? Let your hand fall on me and my family. And on that day, Gad went up to David and said, Go up, 
and build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arun of the Jebusite. And David went up, and the Lord commanded through Gad. And when Aruna saw the king and his men coming, he went out and he bowed before the king with his face to the ground. Why did he do that? He wasn't a subject of Israel. He was a Jebusite. We've already wiped you guys out. So when he saw David coming, he bowed low. To buy your thresh. Why is the Lord come king come to my servant to his servant? To buy your threshing floor, David answered, so I can build an altar to the Lord and the plague may be stopped. See, David didn't know, he knew the plague was paused, but had he not sacrificed, would it have been real? He had to sacrifice. And so Aruna says, here's oxen, here's wood, here's the whole nine yards. I give it to you. And David says, no. And he gave him silver. I forget how many pieces of silver. For the oxen, the threshing, I mean, the oxen and the, the thing to do, the, the sacrifice. I believe the Chronicles uh, deal of 500 gold pieces bought the top of the mountain. And if you go back in and look at anything in, a, you know, think about the old uh, adage against Jews that they're cheap and want things on the cheap. And they're great. Bar- they barter and all that. And think about this guy was going to give it to him, and David says, "No, I'm going to pay for it." A- Abraham, the cave of Machpelah, from is it? It's somebody the Hittite. Uh uh-uh, uh, I'm going to buy it. You tell me what it costs, I'll buy it because they have they wanted ownership of that whole deal, and to this day. I don't, I don't know how many of you have followed, followed the ongoing lawsuit in the world court about Israel and and the people that would the people that would honor the Balfour um, petition of Jerusalem. You know, Israel's Israel's deal is David bought this. This is a document. That's 3,000 years old. David bought this. How can you say that we don't have any right to that to that property? Um, let's see the question. This is inside there in 1840. Inside the, the same rock. Okay. We're back here. Now then, so the bottom line is he offered a sacrifice. Think about when Abraham, during the Akita, when the angel stayed Abraham's hand, what's the very next thing he sees? A a ram hung in a thicket that he can offer a sacrifice. The sacrifice of thanksgiving had to be offered or that whole event was not complete. Um, Let let me show you this. I've got to get out of this totally... I, I am so inept on the computer, I can't. I need to take a computer 101 class. How do I get out of this? Escape and shove. Yes. I've tried this several ways, and my computer locks up, so I'm, I'm praying. 
we can do this. I'm not connected to the internet, why not? <laughs> Well, it says I'm going to staff, and I thought it would be guest. He wants a password. Anybody know the password? <laughs> <coughs> we can try it another way. But this locks my computer up, and I don't know why it does. What does Wi-Fi say? I downloaded this to my... Okay, I don't need to be for this. Uh, I, I should have. I didn't think I had any problem. I've always connected to the Wi-Fi, um, and this is important that I want to show you this. Does anybody see gas? I'm sorry. Go back to that. Yeah, Click which button? Right button. Oh, right. That that could be an issue. No, I I'm sorry. Surely I've got Wi-Fi on. Wi-Fi is off. Yeah, it's on. It says I'm connected. Yeah, it's trying. This. I'm sorry for this. It's really good if I can ever get it. Oh, okay, hang on one second. How are you staff? Because I'm staff. <laughs> Randall, speak to the rock, don't strike. <laughs> Well, now my computer doesn't want to do anything. Did Laurie do this? Please come up. Something has just happened. Goodness. I'm so sorry. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, it says what? It requires a W 2 A. I've never had where it doesn't do guest, and I don't know why this is downloaded on my computer. I don't know why it won't let that play. There was one called OC Wi Fi. 
tried that. You saw it? Yeah, I tried that. Mm -hmm. My phone connected, Randall. <laughs> <laughs> Just go to the page that shows all the Wi Fi options. There you go. OC Wi Fi. This is what people as old as me don't need to do this. I mean, it says. Looks like. Is it connected? I'll try. Yeah, well, you're trying to show us you have downloaded. I'm sorry. No, no, no. That was it. You have to agree to the church's policy. You were just go back. Okay, I don't know how to do this. You clicked off of it. I'll just start over. We could fix this like five minutes. Okay. You're flipping too fast. Go to the website again. Which one? The one that has the video. Okay. It's YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I can't even get the internet, Cal. Go to YouTube. Is there one of these that says that? No. No, no. Just type it in. Why are you. Who said there it is? It's all one word. All one word. Shouldn't you go back to Auto Creek Wi Fi? Go back to Auto Creek Wi Fi. It better be good, Randy. <laughs> The Wi-Fi is connected, but it just will not do it. You have to agree to it. Forget that. Doc, help Never once occurred to me that I wouldn't be able to. Here we go. This is what I was saying. This is where you, okay. where you're supposed to agree to the church's policies or something. I just got this computer out of the shop. I think I'll trash it tomorrow. It's time, time for an upgrade. There you go. Continue to the internet. There we go. Success. 
click on that, Oops. that's that's the YouTube link. <coughs> Slow. Uh, it shouldn't be that slow. The, the guest is locked. The guest has always been slow. Br bring your phone and let's do a, a hot spot. You're doing a hot spot now? <laughs> We're going to download all your secrets. I have no secrets. <laughs> I saw this in a movie once. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure I know how to do it either. It's not going to find it. Well, we've had a doctor and a PhD, you know. <laughs> I'm a landscape. Is it, is it connected to Bluestone? No. Yes, I believe so. Can somebody just throw it up here on from their phone? It's up there now. Let's just say the Oh, anyway, this I'm was sorry. this. This is it. Somebody on their phone. Look, go to YouTube. Can you throw it up there, seriously? Yeah. Nobody. I'll see. Somebody you have your own passport? Yeah. <laughs> oh, go. That's it. Make that big. Make that big. Okay, listen. Wow. This is great. That's pretty incredible. Look at me. Jesus Bob Joseph. Why did the position cut the hair of Samuel? Forgive me, Rabbi. But it was not for Phoenicians. It was for Philistines. And they cut his hair to make him weak. Where is Elisha, who was taken up in the chariot? It was Elisha who was taken up. Elisha is with the Lord. Who resides in the Garden of Eden? No one. There is no one in Eden. There is no one in Eden writing this and all the deeds of the world down. Men say it is Enoch, but Eden is empty. Until the Lord says all the world will be Eden again. Why did the Lord break his covenant with King David? The Lord does not break his covenants. The throne is there. Where is the king? He will come, and his house will last forever. <laughs> will the carpenter build it? Yes, there's always a carpenter. Even the Lord himself is a carpenter sometimes. How did the Lord a carpenter? Tell me. Didn't the Lord himself tell Noah how to put the ark, what kind of wood to use, and how it should be pitched? And wasn't it the Lord who granted the vision? As in the temple, to prophet Ezekiel, as the dimensions of the galleries, the gates, the altar. Wisdom there like a master craftsman. Wisdom is not the Lord. What is wisdom? And when Sarah's the Persian is agreed that we can return to our holy land, the carpenters came home to build the temple as the Lord 
Watched that probably 30 times, uh, just in, in preparation because I, it just culminates. It's a culmination of everything we've talked about. When he talks about uh, David, uh, where, why did the Lord break His covenant with David? And He comes back at him so so fast. The Lord does not break His covenants. That's from uh, Young Messiah. Young Messiah is uh, loosely. Uh, connected to the Gospel of Thomas. Gospel of Thomas is a sayings gospel. It's an apocryphal gospel. It was not entered into our canon. There are things in the Gospel of Thomas that are just stupid. Um, uh, gospel of Thomas is one of the Nag Hammadi texts um, that we all had to read. Um, gospel of Judas, uh, Proto-Evangelion of James. All those have significance for us as Christians. As a matter of fact, in Thomas, there's a, there's another um, book that we don't have a copy of. It's called Q. It's a hypothetical text. It's just the sayings of Jesus. And if you look at Q, there are literally 115 sayings that Jesus said. You, you have heard that it was said, yet I say unto you. That's what Jesus would say in the Gospels. And Q... Uh, contains all those sayings. It's supposed to be before the Gospels were written. What we don't know is that for 300 years, for 300 years after Jesus, people didn't really have Bibles carried around. It was all stories. And predominantly, it was a story about the resurrection, how God had raised Jesus from the dead. That's what everybody hung their hat on. Um, from the time of Maliki, Malachi, until the time of Jesus, for 450 years, God said nothing. Through prophets, priests, kings, nothing. Nobody heard a word from God until this boy. That scene is where he had just come back from after having been taken to Egypt. And the angel of the Lord came to Joseph and said, you can go back to your hometown in Nazareth. And I promise you, there are no buildings that big in Nazareth. But it's just so interesting that he would be reintroduced to the town rabbi, go and study, and that that could have happened, y'all. That could have happened. I, I, I so much appreciate those guys envisioning that and his link to David. The throne is there. It will come and he will last forever. As a little child, Jesus had that on his heart. It's been a great study, a great study for me. I've learned so much, and I just hope it's been good for you. Thanks a bunch for being here. See you next week.